It's the Emeritus with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. It's almost unbelievable that Trump has extricated the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks, dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's do have a conversation. This is Kim Munson with the Americhicks in Dissecting Issues, the news, politics, and opinion as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. We've got to be having conversations and sign up for my emails. I'll keep you apprised of all the upcoming guests, topics, and important events. I am the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well and offering you a conservatarian perspective. Uh, very excited about this Vino and Veritas uh, Federalist Papers book club that we are doing. Uh, the next one will be Monday, March 25th. I'm partnering with Dr. Tom Cranowitter, Bethany, and his team, plus Jen Hewlin, owner of Waters Edge Winery in Centennial, to bring you Vino and Veritas Wine and Truth. Dr. Cranowetter has created a fascinating lecture series on the Federalist Papers. We're meeting the fourth Monday of each month throughout 2019. The good news is we're sold out, and the good news is we are starting Vino and Veritas Castle Rock. So email me at kim at com if you're interested. And uh, we really appreciate our presenting sponsors at Water's Edge Wineries, uh, Vino and Veritas, and that January was Harmony Ridge Construction, Building Homes and Usually Making Friends in the Process, February's presenting sponsor was Susan Kochevar, owner of the historic 88 Drive-In Theater. Spring is just about here, and she plans to open sometime in late March. And March's presenting sponsor is Heidi Ganahl and her Free to Be Coalition, promoting free speech and diversity of thought. And if you'd like to be a presenting sponsor, or again, if you would uh, like more information regarding Vino and Veritas Castle Rock, email me at kim at americhicks.com. So, Producer Steve, are you ready for today's funny? I can't wait. Okay. A capitalist, a socialist, and a communist have a meeting for tea at noon. The capitalist and communist arrive on time, but the socialist is nowhere to be found. Finally, he arrives out of breath and apologetic. I'm sorry, says the socialist. I was standing in line for a sausage. The capitalist says, what's a line? And the communist says, what's a sausage? I'm glad the I'm glad the drummer's back. I missed him yesterday. It well, must have been a Monday morning. It's not the same one. It's it's I got a new guy, but he didn't know he had to be here this early. That so early? He, uh, he missed yesterday. Sorry. Okay. Okay. I'm glad that he's back. Or I'm glad he's here. That's good. So inspirational. And this is actually going to segue somewhat into one of one of our uh, topics that we'll be talking about. But that is Henry Ford. He said, "If I had asked people what they wanted." They would have said faster horses. But the key is there if I ask people what they wanted it instead of government telling people what they think people should want. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later. We've got a big show planned for you. Uh, we're going to go through headlines this first segment. The second, third, and fourth segment, a great conversation with Joshua Scharf. You know, he is an expert really on education, funding, para, Tabor. <clears throat> and there's been just these continual kind of 
bites at charter schools and charter school funding. As many of you know, charter schools are public schools. They receive public dollars. And the parents typically come together to open up a charter school. And, and it's a great option for people that uh, may feel that the school that the kids have been going to doesn't really fit their needs. Uh, or, you know, perhaps the, the results have been, you know, they, they're just not having great results. I think of that, that single mom in, um, you know, a, a failing school in an inner city. Well, charter schools have really come in and been able to address those needs. And, of course, a lot of these people cannot afford to send their kids to a private schools. So it's a great option. And Coloradoans like options. But what we're seeing is the state legislature, local school, school boards such as Boulder Valley School District, which denied the charter for Ascent Classical Academies, that they're taking away choices. And we're going to talk with Joshua what they're doing regarding funding down at the State House. So that's going to be in segments two, three, and four. So be sure and listen in so that you understand what's happening there. But let's go through some headlines, Steve. First thing, very interesting, Fremont County, Custer County, and now possibly Weld County are going to declare themselves as Second Amendment sanctuary counties. Uh, and I find this interesting. It, it's kind of taking a play on sanctuary cities and turning it on its head. And we talk about local control, which that is a, another issue that they're bringing up. Local control is in the, this oil and gas potential legislation. But the thing to understand is, is that you can have local control on something as long as it doesn't buck up against the Constitution. So in this case, with Fremont County, Custer County, and possibly Well County, uh, noting themselves as Second Amendment sanctuary counties, I believe that is really constitutional. And in fact, that is the right thing to do because the Second Amendment was put in place uh, not only for people to be able to protect themselves against bad actors, to be, but to be able to protect themselves against uh, a tyrannical government. And Noah Webster, uh, who was uh, you know, one of the founders, in 1787, if this was his paper, An Examination of the Leading Principles of the Federal Constitution, Noah Webster said, Before a standing army can rule, the people must be disarmed, as they are in every, almost every kingdom in Europe. The supreme power in America cannot enforce unjust laws by the sword because the whole body of the people are armed and constitute a force superior to any brand of regular troops that can be, on any preference, raised in the United States. So we talked with Laura Carno yesterday on this HB 19-1177, which is uh, basically saying that people could be disarmed if someone else says that they're dangerous, there's no due process, and it really is, I believe, an assault on everyday law-abiding citizens, their right to bear arms. Steve, what do you think? Well, I guess let's back up a second. I want a clarification because I, I saw this out there and I'm, uh, you know, it forced me to go into it in more detail, which is a good thing. But there, these three counties are saying, <clears throat> irregardless of what might happen at the state level, we're going to push for... Amendment two, as we've always known it, and we will continue to observe it. Is that is that correct? That that is my understanding. Okay. And and um, it, now sheriffs are elected here in color. The sheriff is elected by the people, whereas police chiefs are hired 
by city councilors or town councils. So sheriffs are directly accountable to the people. And that's why it is really important to elect sheriffs that do believe in the Second Amendment. And, of course, there was a wave of, uh, of, of losses, I would say, this last election cycle for sheriffs that really believe in the Second Amendment. Uh, for example, Arapahoe County, uh, a Democrat was elected where um, actually, uh, well, that's, that is one other thing, that we need to make sure that all of our sheriffs do support the Second Amendment. There have been some Republican sheriffs that have supported the, this uh, red flag bill. And I'm really concerned about it because there's no due process in these red flag bills that have been presented. And due process, of course, is in the Constitution saying that you have, if you are accused of a crime, you cannot be convicted of that crime without going through due process. And these things basically, these red flag bills, say that someone is, is guilty, they take their firearms, and then the person has to actually prove that they're not dangerous. So you could have an old ex-girlfriend, you know, perhaps a, a you know a, a family member that might have lived with you for a while that you know you may disagree on things, and they can accuse you, and your firearms can be taken away. And the burden of proof then is for you to prove that you're not dangerous and not crazy. And you know, if somebody is that serious, Steve, if they are a um, a concern to society, if they are really are dangerous, then you would need to take away the knives, you would need to take away the car, you would need to take everything away. So if that person is so dangerous, instead of taking the gun away, I think you need to take the person, you know, remove them from that situation. What were those Your three thought? counties again? Weld, Fremont, and... Yeah, Fremont and Custer have declared themselves Second Amendment sanctuary counties, and it looks like Weld possibly may. It's interesting because I, when you first named them, I just assumed that they must be adjoining, and they're not. They're not no. uh, physically, uh, geog geographically, they're not adjoining counties. Right, but ideological, uh, they, they pretty much are adjoining. And, th and that's why elections matter. You know, I, the far progressive activist left has been stepping up, and they have really taken over many of these city councils, many of the county commissioners, many of the school boards. While hardworking Americans are assuming that the people that they are electing have this vision of uh, the Declaration of Independence, you know, that every person has the right to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and also that adhere to the U.S. Constitution. And that is not the case anymore. So we are, we're in a battle. We have some really good folks out there that are, are in city councils and in town councils. They need to hold the line. And we need to start to make sure that we elect people that understand the Constitution and that will protect the Constitution. And that's one of the reasons, Steve, why this Vino and Veritas is so important, is people, we, we need to understand why we believe what we believe, and then we need to make sure that we stand up and protect it. So I think it's just really amazing. Let me clarify. Custer and Fremont share a border, but uh, obviously Weld is way up north. Right, 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 right. So, guys, we're getting close on time. I'd like to talk just a little bit about this um, Arriva, this Hyperloop. I remember seeing this when I was on city council, and uh, you saw that this, you know, was being um, pitched to everybody that there would be this uh, just kind of magic transportation 
where in essence, let's see here, it said that, excuse me, shipments zipping through the Denver area at 200 miles per hour, people getting from their homes to the airport gate in minutes, a new mode of transportation moving people in numbers and speed far beyond what any uh, metro system in the world accomplishes today. And basically CDOT under, um, let's see, what was his name? Shalen Bott kind of bought into this whole thing. And of course, there was money involved with that. And uh, their pitch was, uh, it was a Revo's, it was their pitch for technology that would propel both specifically designed pods, people's personal cars on sleds at hundreds of miles an hour running along the medians of existing highways based on linear electric motors and magnetic levitation. But um, on, December, on November 14th, CDOT, Arivo, and the E-470 Public Highway Authority announced a partnership to build a test track along E-470, and uh, it didn't quite work out that way. At the end of 2018, Arivo shut down due to lack of funding. Construction on the test track, originally slated to begin in the first quarter of 2018, never broke ground. Arivo never completed its feasibility study, and indeed, nothing really happened on that. And But I can tell you, when I was on city council, I was hearing words about this whole Hyperloop all the time. And we've got some real transportation people in, uh, in Colorado that they're doing everything they can to get people out of their cars. And uh, my friend Helen Raleigh, who immigrated from China, said, a free society is a so society where people can go where they want to, when they want to. A non-free society is a society where people have to wait, and they go on somebody else's schedule or on bicycles. So that would be a bike, a bus, and a train uh, uh, society. And Steve, you and I consistently talk about, as we drive over to the, the station, and even during the day, I drive up and down the I-25 corridor, and the trains typically are pretty darn close to empty. So it's, uh, and they're aging now. So there's a tremendous amount of money that will be needed to, to uh, keep them up to, um, you know, maintenance on them and keep them, you know, running the way they're supposed to. And um, they're just a real drain on money. But there's this movement uh, by many politicians, bureaucrats, and pundits to get people out of their cars. But yet they don't want to give up their cars. They just want you to give up your car. Ah, uh, yes. We've, uh, we're, we're, how often do we see that mindset? Not just with cars. <laughs> Then, you know, do as I say. Education, but not education. As I do. Oh, hey, the, you, the list is endless. You know, we're going to talk about education a little bit, but I cannot tell you how many of these politicians, pundits, and um, bureaucrats that talk about uh, you know, and, and they do not uh, advocate you know letting people have choices on on their kids' education, but yet they have the money, and because they're living off of all of our money. They have the money to send their kids to private schools, but yet they do, you know, they do not support and, and they stand in the way, actually, of everyday people being able to choose the educational option that's best for them. It's re this whole elitism is so frustrating to me, Steve. And let's not even, when it comes to elitism, we'll have to save this for another day. <laughs> At the top of the list here, she's, she's fighting her way up, is AOC in terms of, <laughs> again, do as I say, but not as I do. Yeah, but you know, she, I'm grateful. She is, the, the veil is off on what's going on. So let's go to break. When we come back, we, let's talk to Joshua Scharf about education funding. But before we do that, I love sports, individuals working hard to be the best they can be, compete and to win or lose. Hooters Restaurants is my sports headquarters. 
There's the Nuggets, the Avs, baseball spring training is starting, and it's March Madness. As a KU basketball fan, I love March Madness. Rock Chalk Jayhawk. So Hooters is a place to watch the games. <clears throat> Hooters specials start at $10 for a draft and 10 bonus wings. And Steve, Hooters wings can fly. You can have them delivered right to your front door. So when the girls come over on Wednesday nights, I order Hooters new smoked wings. They're delicious, half the calories, so you don't feel guilty. And the girls love them. So order your Hooters wings to go or have them delivered right to your front door. More information, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. And let them know that you know the Americhicks will be right back. All Americhicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the Americhicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Americhicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at Americhicks.com. That's Americhicks.com. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. As a Colorado representative to the National Board of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The Americhicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich & Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn about the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich and Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich and Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where I dissect the issues, news, politics, and opinion is right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Check out my website, americhicks.com. Sign up for my emails. I'll keep apprised of upcoming guest topics and important events. And I am the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. Would greatly appreciate it if you would like and follow me. And I offer a conservatarian perspective. Uh, thrilled to have in studio with me the, Joshua Sharf. It's great to have you here. Good morning, Kim. You are the like my go-to guy on uh, That's education. Alarming. That's alarming. Tabor. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, with the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, PARA, the Public Employees Retirement Association. You are one smart guy. I don't know how you have all the time to do everything you do. Uh, it's uh, it, 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 you, you make time. But, you know, listen, I mean, a lot of the data is there. You just got to look for it. Well, for sure. And one other thing, though, you do in your spare time is you have a amazing photography business. Thank you very much. I, I love we are in a target rich environment when it comes to comes to photography when we live out here in Colorado. And I just love going out and taking pictures of the state. It's a beautiful place. Well, and so you could do, you know, if you're a business that's doing some re decorating or whatever and want to kind of update your look, those photos would be a great addition to an office. That, uh, that that's that's one of the things that we've seen. We have a co-working space, for instance, down in uh, Green, down in Greenwood Village down in the, the in the tech center area. And they've got 
four or five of the pictures up there, and people just love them there. So if you're if you're redoing a space, if you're a, a commercial interior designer, you're redoing a space for somebody else, jsharf.photo.jsharf.com, and uh, take a look and see if there's something you like. Okay, and one more time, what's that website? Photo.jsharf, J-S as in Sam, H-A-R-F as in Frank, dot com. Okay, be sure and check it out. But let's jump into here to education. You know, I think that we as a society believe that we have a, a, a responsibility. We want to make sure that our kids get a good education. And one of the things that has been very popular in Colorado is charter schools. And charter schools are actually public schools. Yes, they are. They're they're public schools funded by public money, either district or, or district and state money, and they are um, uh, they oftentimes share facilities or uh, or, or, or use you know you, if, if they don't necessarily share buildings, they may share other facilities, uh, athletic facilities, and that sort of thing with the public schools with the, with the uh, with the neighborhood public schools. So, what is a charter school exactly, Joshua? It's a school that is set up by by parents or by uh, oftentimes it's for instance kip is, is one is a corporation that does this but it's it's publicly funded uh, in essence run by a nonprofit and they have uh, fewer restrictions in terms of uh, they have much more freedom we'll put it that way in terms of curriculum uh, in terms of uh, <clears throat> uh, most of the teachers there are not in generally unionized and they have uh, they have a little more freedom in terms of who they can hire to be teaching there as well, and so basically this allows them to uh, to target particular you know tar- to to target a particular a particular curriculum type. Uh, there are some that uh, that focus on science, so there are some that focus on say a classical uh, type type of curriculum. And what this does is this this gives parents a choice as opposed to the standard cookie cutter uh, neighborhood school curriculum that, that that everybody in a particular district has to go with. This may provide them with something that they feel is better stu- better suited for their child. Seems like that's a good o- option for families to be able to do that. You know, in, in there's a, there was a, a film I don't remember the I think it may have been called the lottery something like that. It was a, a few about ten ten years ago now, and there was a scene. This was in Cleveland, one of the early charter school uh, adopted places, mm-hmm. and there was a scene where because of the limitation, you know, the limited limited number of seats, the charter school itself, fortunately, doesn't get to pick and choose who it takes. Uh, but there's a lottery to get into these. And it was it was simultaneously uh, joyous and heartbreaking because there's a you know, there were these parents sitting in this room waiting for their their child's number to be called, you know, mm-hmm. like the, like the, mm-hmm. like a bingo, th- you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the lottery. And when the number got called, just the, the joy and relief and the sense that their child was going to get something good mm-hmm. on the parents' face. And then, of course, the ones who, who weren't called, it was heartbreaking because they're, you know, they were there hoping to, to be able to, mm-hmm. to, 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 to get that for their, for their kid. Uh, really just a, um, uh, and, 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 and for especially for students uh, who are who would otherwise be trapped in underperforming uh, cookie cutter neighborhood mm-hmm. schools, mm-hmm. a chance to to not have that as as they like to say depend on their zip code, mm-hmm. uh, but but rather on on their parents' willingness and motivation to get them into something better. Mm-hmm. That brings up I remember and I interviewed the assistant principal and this was a charter school. It was Wall Street Journal article. 
a couple of years ago, it, um, and he was an assistant principal at a charter school in Harlem. And he was in the same building, if you can believe it, as a public school. Mm-hmm. So the kids are the same demographics. Mm-hmm. The charter school, the uh, results there were fantastic. And the public school, the results were dismal. Joshua, this is the same same dem- demographics, same kids. But one of the things about charter schools is parents have to be involved in, in the education as well, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a, you know, they have to be willing to, you don't necessarily have bus service. Uh, you don't necessarily have a lot of the extracurriculars available there. Uh, those, those maybe have to come from, from the district. And so the parent really has to be much, much more willing to, First of all, to enroll, to look, to, 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 to make sure that their kid gets enrolled in a charter school, to figure out which one they, they want to they wanna, they wanna try for their kid. Uh, it requires, you know, it's much more than just checking off the form of, of, of where, what address you happen to have and therefore what bucket you're going to be put in for, for your neighborhood. Uh, it really does require a, an active, involved parent to make that work. Well, you know, and uh, we need to be active in our children's lives. We as and if you are, if you're engaged with your kids, the chances of them turning into a successful adults is is greater. Let's just put it that way. I mean, goofy things can happen. Great parents, we can have kids that that you know uh, lose their way, come back, maybe lose their way. But but if you're actively in, involved with children, it's a really good thing. Yeah, I mean, you don't need to be helicopter. This isn't you know this isn't you're flying in and making sure that the the that the the teacher gives your kid a good grade regardless of how. I'm not talking about helicopter parenting. Right. We're talking about responsible. We're talking about being involved and making sure. That that you notice trends in your kid. You know, one of the things about um, about uh, about the way this works too is the people who put together these programs have to come up with a financing model, have to come up with a curriculum. I mean, this is all you know. This is all built from the ground up, and many times. It's parents who are putting together a charter school. Say, listen, you know, the neighborhood school just isn't doing it. I don't like the textbook. I don't like the, the homework that they're coming home with. Not necessarily the amount, but the, 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 the type that they're coming home with. I don't like the, uh, the level. I think, that, I think the kid could be doing much better. And so we're going to and, and, and so let's get together and let's do something better. Yeah, that happens too. Those are the really uber involved parents. You know, mm-hmm. those are the ones who, who who then sit down and have to put together the financials and show that 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 there'll be enough students to to justify the funding and so forth. Well, and Colorado has had a a, a kind of a good record of of charters, hasn't it? Uh, it has, in general, had a good record of charters. It was one of the one of the leaders in charters, and and but it varies from district to district. So Denver historically has been very open to charter schools. It's also had listen. I mean, charters are not they're not a magic formula. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they fail. Sometimes Sometimes they do poorly. Sometimes they're not well run. Or the curriculum is not well thought through. Sometimes they don't. They, they don't have the resource. Sometimes they don't. They don't do well. Uh, just like anything else. But many times they do very well. Denver's been very open to them. Uh, some other counties have been less open to them. And so that's a um, uh, that varies from varies from district to district as to how much they're 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 willing to willing uh, willing to open the gates. Mm-hmm. Right. I just I remember Boulder Valley School District uh, denied uh, ascent classical. Ch- um, academy's charter, yeah. and then the State Board of Education uh, denied it again, and I find that troubling. Yeah, there there are sort of two levels here of of, of potential approval, where the district can can allow it, 
And then if that's denied, you can go, as you say, you can go to the state and see if there'll be a state level charter. Uh, I know Derek. I know Derek Schuler, who's been who's who's been very uh, uh, who, who basically runs that that. Mm-hmm. And the, the 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 Golden View Classical, which is the model for ascent, which uh, model for ascent that he's u- tried to use in other places, uh, is has been wildly successful there. And I'm I can only ascribe fear of competition uh, as, as to for the reason that the that this is that this has been denied. You know, one of the arguments is well, Hillsdale they're affiliated with Hillsdale and it's a religious program. And I say it doesn't have anything to do with their curriculum. Mm-hmm. They're not teaching them. They're not teaching them religion there. They're teaching them a, a traditional classical education. It just has to be happens to be affiliated with Hillsdale. Uh, and so it's a, it's a great program. Parents who go there love it. Our parents who send their kids there love it. Well, and to that point, you can't get third grade back, but we're going to go to break. When we come back, there's some very interesting legislation that is down at the State House that we want to talk about, about trying to take away some funding for charter schools. So this is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. Joshua Scharf, education expert, is in studio with me, and we will be right back. Hey, Jason McBride with Presidential Wealth Management. Many times when a market's going up, people think they're brilliant. What do you think about that? Well, there was an author, Humphrey Neal, who wrote The Art of Contrarian Thinking. He was also a trader and market, uh, uh, I don't know what the word was, one of the old day guys, uh, shyster, you might say. But he was very smart. And one of my favorite quotes came from him, and it's, don't confuse brains with a bull market. And that does tend to happen as the markets go higher and higher. Uh, we as as people want to attribute all the good things that are happening to the decisions we made. And then when things go bad, we want to say something else happened to cause that. So, yeah, I've noticed that over the years that the higher the market goes, uh, the higher people's uh, intelligence goes as well, <laughs> at least in their opinion. I think it's just smart to realize that a lot of the success you see, uh, a rising tide will lift all boats, and when that tide goes out, you're going to find out who isn't wearing any pants. Well, and so if you want to make sure that you have your pants covered, <laughs> you should probably talk with Jason McBride at Presidential Wealth Management. You guys can certainly give another set of eyes on a nest egg uh, and prepare for those times because markets do go up. They do go down. I know people, it's kind of human nature to think you're brilliant when the market goes up, but it hurts when it goes down. And so you need to prepare for that as well. I think you do. And having a good plan in place, uh, understanding what could happen in the worst of times and being able to accept that is very important up front rather than trying to deal with it when it actually happens, and then you're kind of scrambling and panicked. Well, that's for sure. So if people would like to have another set of eyes, take a look at their plan, be sure and check out Jason McBride at chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com. The phone number over there is 303-694-1600, 303-694-1600. And uh, certainly let them know that you know the AmeriChicks. Thanks so much, Jason. You bet, Kim. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and AmeriChick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best with well-priced, made-to-measure clothes that fit a busy lady's lifestyle. Gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at AmeriChicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Social media is important to the AmeriChicks. 
Since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where I dissect the issues, the latest news, politics, and opinion is right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. So check out my website, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for my emails. I'll keep you apprised of all the upcoming guest topics and important events. And I am the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter. I'd love it if you'd go and follow me and like me. That would be great. I'm offering a conservatarian perspective. Thrilled to have in studio with me Joshua Scharf, uh, who I think you are an educator education expert during break you're mm. like and you weren't sure that you mm. okay mm. but you but you really watch the funding i mean you really right. watch and you kind of crunch the numbers that's so that's that's my that's my strength is the number stuff that's yeah. your sweet spot yeah. there we go yeah, yeah. me and the green eye shades we we're, <laughs> we're, we're like this yeah. you're like that okay well it's great to have you here and we're talking about charter schools and so in the last segment we explained really what charter schools are but there is some legislation down at the state house it's hb 19 1190. And for all of you listeners out there, uh, HB means it's coming out of the House. It's a House bill. And then they give you the year. So this is HB 19. And the number is 1190. So tell us about that, Joshua. So back in 2017, there was a compromise reached on education funding. Education funding has always been a bone of contention. There's something called the negative factor, where if, if uh, you know funding doesn't come in, then then it sort of gets reduced at the state level and ends up having to be made up at the at the district level. Uh, education funding in Colorado is is a fairly complex business, and. So there were these periodic attempts to address either either incrementally or create large compromises. In 2017, there was a there was a compromise reached, uh, and part of that compromise related to charter schools. What it meant was that at the district level, when people voted for a mill levy override, meaning they voted to increase the mill levy on the property, public schools at the district level in Colorado are funded primarily through property taxes. So as the, the property tax mill levy either goes down or, you know, and, and mm-hmm. people can vote to, to override that and keep that money in for the, or take the additional money that's raised and use that for schools. Uh, part of the requirement there was that, uh, that some of that money be set aside for charters. So they, they couldn't, the district couldn't use all of that money for just for, for neighborhood schools, assuming that there were charters there. Some of that money had to be set aside. In addition, at the state level, we mentioned before that there are state level, there are about 40 state level charter schools. That is, schools that are not chartered by a given district, but are chartered by the Charter School Institute, which is uh, the state level chartering organization. And the state would set aside a certain amount of money as well. Uh, out of the general fund, out of the, the money set aside for education, would be set aside for, for charters. Uh, what this bill, uh, HB 1190, sponsored by Kathy Kipp, I think out of, uh, out of Fort Collins, Democrat out of Fort Collins, uh, basically what that would do is that would take um, and claw that back from the, uh, fr- from, from, from the charter schools. Um, last year, that amounted to about $300 per student. This year, it's scheduled to double to go to about $600 per student. 
Uh, it still is not even funding. It still is not an even amount of funding per student in charters versus neighborhood schools. Uh, that would require about an additional $1,200 per student. But but what she wants to do is claw back that, that 300 what would be that 600 seems like that would really hurt charter schools. Absolutely. Of course it would. I mean, this is, this is a, an important source of funding. And so, again, for the forty for the forty or so state chartered schools, it would it would be a significant be a significant impact to them. Uh, she is somewhat ideological about this. She calls this uh, taxation without representation, which of course is absurd huh. uh, on the face of it. It's facially absurd, but she uh, but but she she you know has been on the school board in Loveland uh, and and I'm sorry in uh, up, up in Fort Collins and. Uh, is obviously hostile to charters and, and, and wants to wants to take this money back away from them, wants to undo that portion of the compromise. Okay, so now that would affect school, charter schools that are chartered by the state. Right. What about district schools? It wouldn't affect them. They would still, they would still, the district would still be required to set aside mill levy override money for charter schools. Uh, so it wouldn't affect the districts. But, you know, listen, I mean, if you're, if if you're thinking about where this is going, it probably it maybe opens the door to that's, to, that's to exactly that the where I was time. going. You know? So she probably decided instead of fighting the whole battle that they'll just kind of take a bite at the apple and, sure. and start to try to put pressure on on charters. So, right. uh, Josh, what is the per pupil funding in Colorado? Do you happen to remember? I was thinking it was like in that. It varies from district to district. Does it? Obviously, okay. um, and so. I think in places like Cherry Creek, the total is something like 11,000 per student. I think in Denver, we're somewhere around, I want to say somewhere around 8,000 per student. That kind of seems, but, but the, so. the, the point is, is this clawback is pretty significant. Uh, the way that, um, I mean, that's a lot of money that's going to be taken away from these charters. It, it is. It is. And that's money that would just have to be, and listen, I mean, these are, they, they come up with a funding plan. They come up with a financial plan. That's part of the, of the requirement uh, for, for starting a charter. Mm-hmm. And here you're basically going to pull the, pull the rug out from under them uh, in, in terms of, in terms of a significant part of their funding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, um, uh, it, it makes it harder for them to meet their goals. And, and, you know, I mean, it, I, I don't wish to. I, I don't want to. I don't want to have too sharp elbows here. You know, this mm-hmm. first early in the morning. Mm-hmm. But to say, uh, but, but but you know, Ms. Kipp's approach to this is is a little bit harsh. Is that well, charters are supposed to do better with less funding, so let them go ahead and do better with less funding. Uh, well, that's quite the attitude. Yeah, exactly. So she just doesn't doesn't like charters. And the fact is, you know, the fact the, the teachers unions don't like charters. Uh, a lot of the district, a lot of the the union controlled school boards don't like mm-hmm. charters. Number one, they don't like competition. And number two, as I said before, a lot of the most of the teachers at charter schools are not unionized. So they get to to get by with 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 different requirements for hiring maybe you don't have to hire somebody with a degree you know with a master's degree in te- in, in education you hire somebody with a teaching cert who happens to know physics uh, you know who's a mm-hmm. who's a physics mm-hmm. major a phys- you know has a degree in physics so they understand that they know how to teach but they also have a have a real thorough grasp of the material and so you do something like that instead uh, these are the, this is obviously threatening to uh, to teachers unions that those kinds of those kinds of, uh, of of liberties you know and i think Joshua this really begs the question on whose children are these and i think sometimes the real activist <laughs> progressive um, te- teachers union people mm-hmm. think that the children are the unions in, <laughs> instead of the parents. And I think a lot of people don't realize that uh, 
that there is that mindset out there with some of these real radical progressives. Yeah, that they're the state's children, or they're the community's children, or that they're the, the village's children. Instead <laughs> of in, instead of instead of uh, the individuals, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're the parents, you know, who obviously who have primary responsibility for raising these kids. So what we are talking about then is public charter schools. This is where parents have come together, and um, they've, they're putting together a charter, and, and it may be a nonprofit that, that might put this, put this together. And I'll tell you, it's daunting. Uh, you'd mentioned Derek Schuler with Ascent Classical Academies. Uh, the hoops that they had to jump through mm-hmm. to try to get a charter approved up in Boulder. Mm-hmm. And they jumped through all the hoops. They crossed the T's, dotted the I's, time, money, energy. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately, uh, the Boulder Valley School District just said no. That's pretty scary. That's concerning to me. Well, you know, they, they have the prerogative to say no. That's the, that's the nature of, the, of, 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 how these, of how charters work. That doesn't mean that the decision here is any good. The decision here may be terrible. And, and the fact is that this is a model that has worked, uh, that has worked in Golden, I think he's got one other that that uh, mm-hmm. that, that has worked Douglas as well. Douglas County has worked as well, and you know Boulder just appears to be uh, uh, just appears to be hostile to the idea. Mm-hmm. And so, listen, I mean, you 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 want to have a certain amount of oversight. These, these are tax dollars, obviously, mm-hmm. that are going to this, mm-hmm. and so you want to have a certain amount of oversight to 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 how these. If you're going to approve those, and not a private school, mm-hmm. then then it makes sense to have you know. But but to put in arbitrary hoops. Uh, is just irritating, and as you say, to put in uh, and, and then to say no to something that 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 has shown to work, and as nobody's required to go here, you know, they're not they're not forcing any parents to send their kids here. They're not forcing anyone to 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 use this model. It's it's there. It's available for parents who want who want something more or something specific and different for their for their for their child. Well, and Mer- Americans like options. You know, sure. <laughs> and um, and when you have options, then it, there's competition, yes. and uh, that seems to be one of the main things is is that uh, the, the radical progressive activist teachers union does not want to have competition for our kids' education. Well, you know, it's like, um, uh, and 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 they don't really consider. You know, they'll talk about being for the children, but ultimately, of course, the the unions are for are for the teacher. Now, that's fine. You know, I understand that, that that not everyone wants to be at the mercy of the kind of people who become school administrators. However, uh, you know, there's a difference between talking about working hours and and talking about wages and and working conditions and so forth, and talking about uh, and having control over the curriculum, having control over, and, and not just control over in a school, but telling that there, that there should never be another way of doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that this is really the, you know, the, the one size fits all kind of stuff. And, you know, we're in a society now of, of all things, we're in a society where one size fits all is, uh, is, is antithetical to the younger generations that are coming up, certainly even to mine, a Gen X, but, but coming after us. This idea that that everybody gets the same size, everybody gets the same thing, uh, regardless of what you want, is antithetical to 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 the kind of country we're becoming, and 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 we and we expect choices. Well, it sounds like what you're talking about, Joshua Sharp, is socialized education, uh, where instead of realizing that each child is unique and an individual, each family should be able to make the decisions on their child's education. 
Instead, you've got this big centralized uh, government here, and in this case, Colorado, where it is uh, Representative Kip wants to claw back funding that would go to kids in charter schools, and that is uh, House Bill 191190. Um, so, kind of your final thought on that before we go to break. It's it's a and we'll we'll lead into the next segment here. It's a shame because. In many cases, the people who are most be, who are who are most being served are the people who most need it. Well, that's for sure. And you can't get third grade back, right, Joshua? There you go. You only get one shot. That's okay. right. So this is Kim Munson with the Americhicks. I'm talking with Joshua Scharf regarding uh, charter schools and an attempt down at the state house to take away some of the funding for charter schools. We'll be right back. Work with mortgage professionals who will give you quick and accurate financial advice. Home Mortgage Alliance has the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financial options available to you. The mortgage process can be stressful, and as interest rates rise, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure that you're making the right financial choice for you and your family. 303-888-2732. Kim and Mark will remain available to you 24-7 to help you through the process. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Call Kim and Mark with Home Mortgage Alliance today, 303-888-2732. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect the issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation, and be sure and check out my website, americhicks.com. And uh, I am the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. Be sure and like and follow me, offering you a conservatarian perspective. Thrilled to have in studio with me Joshua Scharf. Joshua, you are a numbers guy, and you've been crunching numbers on a variety of different things. Uh, and today we're talking about education charter schools. And we had mentioned in the last break this House Bill 191190 down at the, the State House, which would be a, a, a pullback, a clawback of the Mill Levy uh, Equalization Act that was passed in 2017. So charters, let's talk a little bit about performance. Yeah, so so there, there are sort of three things to break down here. Uh, one, what kind of resources do, do, do they have in terms of teacher pay? Number two, who do charters serve? And then number three, putting these together, how well do they serve them? Okay. So it turns out that in terms of teachers' salaries, uh, teachers at, at charter schools tend to be paid less uh, than teachers at uh, the teachers at neighborhood schools. Okay. Statewide and significantly less. Statewide, the gap is about fifteen thousand dollars a year. That is a lot. It's about I think it's from an average of about I want to I want to say fifty four thousand statewide. Uh, to about to just under forty thousand for charter schools, uh, so so they really are trying to do as good a job with with fewer resources. Okay, so why and, would so, why would a teacher teach at a charter school when there's that big of a disparity? So part of the reason is that they maybe have less experience and they're trying to get some experience, and, and charters are a good place to to, to do that. Okay. Number two is that they don't have the the heavy hand of, of a central administration, so there's more of a relationship with directly with the people who are doing the curriculum. Okay. That isn't necessarily always true with the large corporate uh, charters like KIPP. I happen to share the same name, which can, which will be a little confusing if you're okay. not careful. But but with a with a smaller with a smaller uh, uh, charter organization or, or or something that parents have started, you have a direct relationship there, and so maybe that's maybe that's more appealing as well. Mm-hmm. So 
a number of reasons the teacher, and maybe they don't want to deal with the union bureaucracy. So there are a number of, of, of reasons mm-hmm. the teacher. But it's their might free choice. Absolutely, nobody okay. nobody's making them do this. Okay. Uh, and so that's that's the first thing. Uh, in terms of student characteristics, uh, at the at the state level charters, it turns out that the percentage of minority students uh, statewide is about forty seven percent for neighborhood schools, for non-charter schools. For charter schools, it's 53%. So a slightly higher percentage of, minor- of students at charter schools are minorities. A significantly higher percentage, it's about 20% to 15%, are what we call English language learners, or English as a second language. Uh, and so a slightly higher percent in charters uh, require that. And then almost exactly the same numbers, like 41 to 42% are the free and reduced lunch, which is a proxy for income. Okay. So we're talking about this, almost the same level income, more that require uh, some, some help with English, and then a greater percentage of minority students as well. So these are people who you sort of think of as being, you know, as requiring more or, or as mm-hmm. wanting more, as you know, as, as being a little more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of uh, in terms of statewide, again, I don't I don't have the numbers for the state level charter, but statewide, where you do get a little bit of a disparity, uh, a disparity, uh, d- disparity rather, is the uh, special education. So uh, there's a there's a triennial survey that that's due out this year. Uh, okay. The last one was done in 2016. The next one will be will be done in July of this year. That looks at that that, that examines charter schools statewide, and. Uh, again, at the non-charter at the uh, at, at the at the state schools, about ten percent require special education. At the charter schools, it's uh, it's about six point three percent. So there is some disparity there mm-hmm. between the the number of special education uh, at, at a charter school and at and at a state school. Understand though that again, the charter the school is not allowed to discriminate on that basis. So they have to take all comers. This is a question of what parents and believe. that's the lottery thing, right? Well, that's where. Yeah, I mean, if you have more that want to get in, then you have then you have that 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 sort of aspect of this being a lottery. But but what you're but, saying is a charter can't say we are not taking student because blah blah blah. Absolutely right. Okay. Right. You can't say we're not taking you because of of any any particular need or any particular requirement or anything else. Okay. It, it has to take. It has to be open to to taking anyone. Um, so just a quick question on that. Do, uh, do special education students or that curriculum in uh, public schools, does that, do they typically get more money per student? Yeah, yeah, more money obviously follows a, a special ed student as well. That's part of the, that's part of the, uh, part of the reason that you've seen some of the numbers go up is because um, uh, they will, st- st- schools will sometimes seek to classify more students as requiring special uh, special ed in order to, to get more money to come in. And what about those special plans? What are those that like the, uh, 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 you know, a student plan? I can't remember what they're called. They're called an Individualized Education Program. Uh, and so EIP. Those, yeah. Okay. Yeah, IEP, I think. Or yeah, IEP. Okay, yeah. there you go. And so those, uh, those, those also exist in charters. Again, statewide, it's about 10%. Uh, and in charters, it's about 6.3%. Okay. So it's not a vast gulf. Uh, and but but it is the kind of thing where where you, you know need to be aware that there's there's less of that in charters. So, quick question: Do if a child is on an IEP, does the school district get additional funding for an IEP student? Or do you know? I don't know. That's a question that we need to find out. Should find that. Yeah, out, yeah. we'll have okay. We'll we'll be back to you on that one. So continue right. on. Um, so the the and and so the point is that um, but once you one of the other things that this study does every three years is it breaks down performance, and so it turns out that it breaks down performance 
uh, by uh, free and reduced lunch, uh, or what's called FRL, free and reduced lunch, and by by race, by by ethnicity, and so you can you can control for all of these. And so what it typically has done in the past is it's when when there was a great deal of testing going on, it would looking look at who was testing at grade level uh, or above grade level okay. at a particular thing. And 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 I think now they'll probably just use the any uh, national assessment of education progress, the Iowa the Iowa tests okay. that everybody takes. I think in fourth and eighth grade. Okay. And there's some and, and probably look at SATs would be the thing that they'll look for high mm-hmm. schools. Uh, and so uh, the charters in most of those bins, almost all of those bins, outperform the neighborhood schools. So if you are a, uh, a parent of, if, you, if you're a, a minority, let's say African-American parent, Asian parent, mm-hmm. uh, and you have a child who is, and, and you're, in a free and redu- you're eligible for free or reduced lunch, and you're sending your kid to a charter, then the chances are that your kid is going to do better than the same than, than than somebody with those same demographics in the neighborhood school. Again, this is this is sort of aggregated statewide. Uh, so that means that means two things. Number one, it means that charters are doing well. It means that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're 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 the the, the kids who go there are doing better. Uh, are more likely to be at or above uh, proficiency for for their grade. Uh, be controlled for those other elements. Than, than the equivalent going to a neighborhood school. Uh, alternately, it may also mean that the parents themselves being more involved, mm-hmm. uh, that, 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 that there's more, you know, more of that as well. So, Joshua, what you're telling me, though, is that you, you've taken a look at all the different factors, and I think the bottom line is is that typically children in these uh, public charter schools are doing better than uh, than the children over in the uh, just the regular public school. And then what we have happening, though, is a former school board member from probably the St. Vrain District, I would imagine, if she's up in Fort Collins, mm-hmm. uh, Representative Kip is wanting to claw back a mm-hmm. compromise that that uh, occurred in 2017 down at the legislature that would equalize the funding. I mean, you know, we talk a lot about equalizing things. And, you know, the socialists talk about equalizing things, but here we've equalized something, and now she wants to claw that back. It's it's kind of a head-scratcher to me. Well, it's again, if you're hostile to the idea of charters, then this is a way of making it harder for them to operate. Presumably it ends up hurting their hurting the kids' performance. And, you know, oh, maybe it's you know, it. so, okay, so what you're well, saying is so, we're going to equalize <laughs> we're going to equalize performance yeah, it's, it's so uh, Harrison had, Bergeron right here yeah, yeah and, so we have yeah. kids over here the charters are, are performing better mm-hmm. but and um, taking away uh, equalizing funding mm-hmm. so taking away their funding so that we can bring them down to uh, the performance that that uh, is the norm across the state. I, I suspect that's part of it. I suspect it also just makes it harder for them to meet their financial targets, well, to sure. meet their financial plans, and so that, that then, then fewer would qualify as well. And uh, we'll... There has not been a comprehensive controlled study here in Colorado, okay, uh, and that's that's important to to, uh, to 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 understand. We haven't done that kind of number crunching yet. However, a former independent, our, our alumnus from the Independence Institute, Ben DeGroe, who now directs this for the Mackinac Center up in uh, up in Michigan did a comprehensive study in Michigan. This is Betsy DeVos's home state. Okay. So naturally, they like to attack this, because if you're going to attack charters, go after her, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to attack her, go after the charters in her home state. And interesting result. It says, for every $1,000 the average charter school spends, this is in Michigan, it gets 32% better results on state tests than nearby district schools. For students, that translates into a 36% advantage in lifetime earnings. 
I think about that. Think about the advantage that that gives kids who go to these schools. And then ask yourself, the, the, the takeaway here, we only have a couple minutes mm-hmm. left, the takeaway that you want to have in your head is why should those kids get that advantage? Why shouldn't that be available to everyone? The answer is, of course, it should be available to everyone. Right. So instead of trying to hobble charters because you're afraid of the competition, why not expand them, make them available to more people, and allow more people of the next generation to increase their 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 earnings ability? Wow, that is amazing. And you can't get third grade back. You know, you just can't. No, that's 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 the classic line, and it's absolutely true. You only get one shot at the Once you fall behind, sure, you can catch up. But it's extra work, and it's spent, and it's time spent doing stuff, catching up that you're not spending doing other stuff, expanding your horizons, working in extra, having uh, working in extra, learning, you know, outside of the box. It's harder. When you start falling behind. That can be that that that's a frightening prospect for parents. Um, why shouldn't we make this more generally available? rather than less available. Well, that is the question on the table. So Joshua Sharf, thank you so much for being in studio today. And our quote today is from Abraham Lincoln. He said, a capacity and taste for reading gives access to whatever has already been discovered by others. It is the key or one of the keys to the already solved problems. And not only so, it gives a relish and facility for successfully pursuing the yet unsolved ones. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals and like Superman, stand for truth, justice and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you and God bless America.